Welcome to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. I'm Danny, one of the pastors here, and this is our second intro because we tried the first <laughs> one. And we're in lovely Waypoint Studios here, which is actually the conference room this week. Some week we're in the baby uh, or the nursing mom's room. We move around, but here we are, and I'm joined by two special guests who are new to Waypoint, and we're so excited to get to meet them and get to know them a little bit. So who, who do we have in the studio? Hey, I'm Peter Fry. I'm the new associate pastor and church planning resident here at Waypoint. And I'm Mary Fry, and I am with Peter. Yeah, well, we are so happy to have you guys, and some of, a lot of our folks have gotten to meet you. You've been here a couple Sundays, and we introduced you, you guys two weeks ago, but there are a lot of folks who don't know much about you. They know that you've been part of some church plants in the past, and you guys have uh, you lived in Durham a couple years, but mm-hmm. other than that, uh, some folks are like, who, who are these new folks that are going to be <laughs> yeah. at Waypoint and, and part of our fellowship, helping uh, shepherd people, yeah. and then hopefully, God willing, in a couple years, we'll, God, you guys will take, a, take some folks and, and plant a church somewhere in the Triangle, and we're yeah. so excited to have you. So what we're going to do is in our, in our Next Steps class, like when people join Waypoint, we normally ask, have them answer three questions. So we thought if you could answer those questions in a little more detail, because our Next Steps class is normally Sunday morning, we, we tell people to keep it brief, but in a little more detail, just answer these three questions. You know, your spiritual journey, mm-hmm. how did you come to know Jesus, mm-hmm. and, and, and then what has your journey been since then, you know, and, and how has God worked in your life and what have been the highs and the lows as you as you trusted him in this journey and then how did you find waypoint and what are you excited about about being here so we'll, sounds good we'll jump right in with the uh, first one so yeah just tell your sometimes the word is called testimony sometimes it's, <laughs> it's called like how did you get to become a follower of jesus yeah just just tell us tell us a little bit of your story sounds good peter you want to go first yeah i'll jump in with i had the joy of having a mom who knew the Lord and knows the Lord, and she exposed me from an early age to the truths of the gospel. I went to church, and I think sometimes when we tell our faith stories, we if we grew up in the church, sometimes we're like, yeah, I grew up in the church, and we kind of like uh, maybe put down the realities of you know what? Being raised with the gospel is an immense blessing and gift. And my mom exposed me from an early age to the truths of the gospel, but it was a journey for me to really allow those truths to, and well, really for the Spirit of God to allow those truths to take cement in my heart. I, um, it was around middle school age, I had some friends who invited me to a church uh, a nearby. Mary and I grew up in Western Maryland, and there was a Christian camp that would do weekend retreats for youth. And it was there that a lot of the truths that I had been exposed to, both in the home and uh, through church, they came together, and I don't even know what the speaker was speaking about, but it was one of those moments where I realized, wow, I really am a sinner in need of Jesus's grace and forgiveness. And so I look back on that weekend. I do remember that the theme of the weekend was like, it was a puzzle theme. So in the like <laughs> chapel of this Christian camp, they covered it with cardboard and then had puzzle pieces all over 
the floor and I remember kneeling on those puzzle pieces oh, cool. and I gave my life to the Lord. I remember that part of the theme was like your piece in God's big story. Mm-hmm. And so that was really uh, the beginning of my walk with Jesus the next few years. Well, well I'll sh- leave that for my journey, but it was a journey of discovering what that decision to follow Jesus really looked like and what it looked like to live out my faith. And so, um, and in the midst of that journey, I my dad was not a believer, and so I had some in some ways that's part of my story is watching both my mom follow the Lord and my dad being like, I don't really need that. And I think that caused a lot of questions in my heart at an early age and really caused me to, as I explored, what does it mean to follow Jesus? I almost had like these two paths in front of me that I had to really figure out which path am I going to take. Yeah. How about you, Mary? Yeah. So Peter and I actually grew up in the same home church in Maryland. Wow. And so... Youth group dating? Yes. Wow. <laughs> High school sweethearts. <laughs> High school sweethearts. Actually, we have a video from a church pageant from, I think it's 95. I, we were, what, four and five, or oh, wow. five and six at the time. Yeah. And, uh, well, I was born in 88, but... Um, <laughs> We're standing next to each other in oh, the wow. Christmas pageant. We discovered this a couple of years after we got married. It was oh. a home video, and it's a video of Mary and I singing. bunch of kids lined up on the stage, and Peter and I just happened to be next to each other. Wow. It's meant to be. But yeah, so I grew up in the church as well, and really thankful to have learned, um, to have watched the Christian walk, not only in my home, but also in the church setting. And... As I look back on my childhood, I can see glimpses of spiritual formation throughout my childhood. But I really consider it the freshman year of high school when I felt the the grace of God grip my heart. And, um, you know, part of my story is that I have cystic fibrosis. And growing up with CF, there were a lot of times where I saw the truths of Scripture like um, His grace is sufficient for me, you know, going through hard health stuff. And that freshman year of high school, one of my nurses actually asked me, how does having cystic fibrosis affect your relationship with God? And I just said real quickly, I was just like, oh, it's fine, it's fine. And that whole summer, I think that that started in my heart a stirring to really think about that. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of the ways the Lord, yeah, like woke my heart up to, this isn't just a church thing. This isn't just a a family faith thing. This is you. This is um, you and me. And so I remember coming to, during that summer, coming to John chapter 9 where there's a blind man and Jesus' disciples come and ask him, why was this guy born blind? Was it because of his sin or his parents' sin? Like as if those are the only two options. And Jesus said, no, no, no. This is so that the glory of God can be revealed in his life. And when I read that, I was like, what? Like the glory of God in the context of his body not working the way it's supposed to? And I just, I felt really thankful for a different perspective that, um, like, I've been told my whole life I was knit together in my mother's womb. And and to see 
that God's glory can be shown even in the midst of circumstances that seem less than ideal Mm -hmm. in the blind man's life and in mine. And I think through that was part of my heart coming to submit to Christ and to walk with Him daily. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember my love for His Word catching on fire. And, And part of that was I remember Peter preached my freshman year in high school. Now I was I had not fallen in love with him yet, but I remember him preaching and um, you're like she, a high school student. She calls me. Pre- she oh. calls it preaching. I she was sharing it at youth the youth group. It was probably okay. your yeah. first time sharing at the youth yeah. group. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm like picturing ninth grade <laughs> Peter up there on the pulpit. I'm like dang. I do they, remember Peter at the pulpit at like nine years old reading the scripture. Really? Okay. Yes. Okay. Oh wow. You were wearing a red turtleneck. I remember. Oh wow. <laughs> but um, you're finding out new information here on the Waypoint. What's the point podcast? You heard it here first. The red turtleneck. <laughs> Um, but I remember just like observing Peter in the youth group and thinking, wow, like whatever he's got going with God, like I want that. I remember observing this passion and um, yeah. And so thankfully we got to hang out at youth group a lot and mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. The rest is history. Yeah, the rest exactly. is history. Awesome. Before we move on, I do want, because cystic fibrosis might mm-hmm. be, not familiar right. to some of our folks. We actually have some people who do research in that at oh, Waypoint, yeah. which is kind of so cool. amazing. Yeah. But just share a little bit about what it is yep. what, and when you were diagnosed mm-hmm. and maybe as a child, like, yeah. I mean, you shared about the kind of the faith side get going in ninth grade, but just mm-hmm. to that journey for you and your family. Yeah. Is, yeah, for sure. So cystic fibrosis is a genetic lung disease, although it affects like many parts of the body. So um, I was born with it because it's genetic, but I wasn't diagnosed until I was seven weeks old. And the only reason they caught it that early was because my older sister also has it. So there are two kids in my family and we both have CF and it is... But your parents... They are unaffected carriers. Okay, okay. So that makes a one in four chance that their children would both have the recessive gene to... And they won the lottery, and then both kids have CF. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it was really hard in a lot of ways. I remember in early teen years, one time I was in the hospital, I was discharged, they cleaned the room, and my sister was admitted. Like, sometimes it was intense. And other times we were normal kids running around playing soccer and climbing trees. And I'm just, I'm thankful for the way that it, it made our family very close and we were all in it together as a team and there were times with lots of tears and that's okay and it's a process mm-hmm. as we all go through but yeah so it it affects my lungs you'll hear me clear my throat you'll hear me cough it's fine i'm fine thankfully um my body battles like a chronic bacterial infection in my lungs. Thankfully, that is not contagious. But yeah, sometimes it causes fevers and feeling really exhausted just because my body's working really hard. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it affects a few other parts of my body as well. I have liver disease as well. And um, I take pills when I eat. I take pills when I wake up. I take pills when I go to sleep. Yeah, we're thankful for those pills. But kind of the long-term progression of CF is due to that chronic infection, the lungs get scarring and damage over the years. And so that's 
that's why it's largely known as a lung disease because the lungs take the biggest hit from mm. the genetic mutation. Yeah. And I, about four years ago, started a new medication, which was at the time, it was before it was FDA approved. It's now FDA approved. And it has completely changed our lives. Mm. I went Very from fun. extremely sick, like in a wheelchair, in the hospital a lot of time, on IV antibiotics almost constantly. And now I am living and thriving. My lungs did not recover all the way. I'm at about 50% lung function, like half of what a normal person would be. But I can do a lot with 50%, and I'm just so thankful. Wow. So, yeah. That's if you can't hear it on the podcast, I have a smile on my face because when I talk about the miracle of Trikafta, <clears throat> this medication, um, it's hard not to smile. I'm just very thankful. Well, praise God. They do have a little one, which we'll hear a little more about later. And if he wakes up, we're going <laughs> to go grab him and he can join us on the <laughs> podcast. So we're excited about that. But yeah, so the next question is, what has been your journey since then? Um, yeah. Just as God's grown you guys yeah. individually and then together and then how you got here. Like you mm -hmm. talked about four years ago, you got yeah. on this trial and you ended up in Durham somehow yeah. from <laughs> Western Maryland, which, so I have to make the joke. So Maryland's kind of this weird state. It's not really a square or it's, it's got like Virginia kind of makes a little hump. So you're part of the other side of the little thing. We're right where it gets skinny. Oh, right where it gets skinny. So yeah. The skinny part. That's yeah. So considered. we're like 20 minutes from Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Maryland, yeah, not far from Virginia. The church we okay. grew up in was called Tri-State Fellowship because people were coming from three oh, states. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah. you're so you're part of the skinny part of yeah. the skinny Maryland. Part. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Tri-State Fellowship. All right, yeah, Peter, just share a little bit about your journey and yeah, and where how God had you since you know high school, youth group, yeah. kind of, and it, with with your parents growing up in that yeah. home where there yeah. was some tension, but yeah. still God's grace Absolutely. in your life. Absolutely. So I'm a high schooler trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus. And uh, my mom, uh, kind of a big part of my early formation was um, my parents sent me to a Christian school in town. And that was um, largely a positive experience for me. But as I am coming to personal faith in Jesus, I'm, I'm like, I want a place to live this out. And I asked my parents, hey, would you be open to me going to public high school uh, just as a space for me to uh, live out and figure out what it means to follow Jesus? And so that's what I did. And that was, I think, the start of God calling me into ministry um, because I just had this heart as an early Christian. How do I share this with others? And I need to put myself in space where I can do that. So I started leading the Fellowship of Christian Athletes and a Friday morning Bible <laughs> study at um, at the high school. And in those spaces, in the high school youth group, and the Lord was just putting me in spaces where, one, I started to fall in love with God's Word and the way it was kind of transforming not just my thoughts, but my the things I was valuing and the way I was thinking about my future after high school. And and I had people around me, uh, specifically in the church. And I, I think this is a big part of my story is just having people affirm God's gifts in me and 
how that's such an essential part of being the body of Christ is affirming the giftings and the work of God in each other. And so people start saying, hey, Peter, like you have a love for God's word and a love for people. Why don't you think about ministry? And um, all my life, I thought after high school, I'm going to go to the Coast Guard Academy and I'm going to go into the Coast Guard. Like, that was my dream. Are you into boats? Or are you just... I, my parents are from the eastern shore of Maryland, and so I spent pretty much all of my summers on the Chesapeake Bay. Oh, I wow. love the water. I love boating. And so the Coast Guard was wow. uh, something that, uh, to this day, I love those things. And I mean, his AOL, like, chat name was Cat and Pete. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're dating us a little bit. <laughs> Some of our first conversations when Mary and I started dating were AOL Instant Messenger. Wow. Um, so you've got mail. Yes. <laughs> we um, or me, I started to shift my thinking. I'm, I'm not going to go to Coast Guard Academy. I'm going to go somewhere uh, to study for ministry and the local Christian radio station that my mom always had playing would play um, chapel services from Moody Bible Institute. And so <laughs> that was my context for uh, here's a place to go to train for ministry. And so that's the only school I applied to for college. And I... You didn't know much about it other than I didn't that. know. There was, a, there was another student who was a year older than me. Uh, from our youth group who went. Okay. And so, so that a was a little context. bit of context. Okay. I went and visited. Okay. And so that that was where I went to college. And um, I was just telling somebody in the church lobby this week this story about uh, when I was called to ministry. And I'd say there were a lot of moving parts in that. But one piece of it was... I was a pole vaulter in high school. Oh, that, wow. This is my claim to fame. <laughs> I, I'm going to hang on to this. I was the state champion. Uh, in Maryland? Yeah, in Maryland. And the I'm skinny always like, part in the West and the East <laughs> part? All parts? Dang. All parts of Maryland, oh, not wow. just my the skinny part. My boyfriend is the state champion pole wow. vaulter. So, Husband now, of course. Junior year. I, I think this story is important for people to know me. Um, <laughs> junior year, I was starting to get good at pole vaulting. I started I started it as just, I went out for track just to like uh, keep in shape and it turned out, well, I tried all the events and I wasn't good at many of them. <laughs> so I said, Peter, go over with the pole vaulters. <laughs> so it turned out I was pretty good at it. <laughs> and so in practice, I'm, I'm trying to push myself and I kind of pushed a little too hard and pole vaulting, if you've ever watched it, is a little perilous and I, I fell and I broke my ankle. Mm. And I was really bummed because this was this was kind of my dream, kind of break the state records and all these things. And but I was determined to come back by the end of the season. And so I just while the team was practicing every day, I went to the weight room, and it turned out that there was a football player who had um, torn something in his knee and he was also in the weight room at that time so we both had bum legs and we worked out together and joe and i um just started talking he he went to a church in town that i would kind of describe as not a gospel church but kind of just like a country church that his family went to and 
So I'm like exploring my new found love for Jesus and his word and how the gospel transforms our lives. And I'm telling Joe, like if it's just really casual, but telling Joe about what I'm learning. And I remember just one day, and it's vivid in my mind, he's, do, he's doing the bench press and I'm standing above him, just telling him about what I've been reading in the Word. And I remember him putting his, his, the weights on the rack, sitting up, and he goes, Peter, somebody's got to tell the church about this. And I laughed because I was like, this is the message for unbelievers. But the reality was, I think that was the moment when I look back at my journey, that was the moment that I realized, you know what, I think that's part of my calling to tell the church of the transforming truth of the gospel. And so went to Moody and uh, Mary can kind of tell more of the story uh, she followed God to Moody as well. Okay. And for those of you at home, Moody is not, you might think of the word Moody oh, as, as an adjective to <laughs> yes. describe how oh, you sorry. feel. It's based on a, a, a guy DL named Moody. after D.L. Moody, who was an American evangelist and kind of yes. a very, a guy who like spent a lot of time in Chicago in the Midwest area, just yeah. Yeah. sharing the gospel with lots of people. So it's, yes. right. I don't so think he founded it, right? After. It's named after his legacy. I, yeah, I, I think he started a school that kind of morphed into morphed Moody. Into it. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's where the name Moody comes from, yes. for those of you who are new to the Christian realm, yes. Christian sphere. So, yes. okay. And yeah, then so, you follow, so your high school year, so you had this epiphany in ninth grade yeah. where God's beginning to help you see that you have this really terrible disease. Right. At the same time, you're seeing some grace and feeling yes. some some yeah. hope in, in Christ. Yeah. What happened after that? Yeah, like, did... I am so thankful for a church that I could grow spiritually in and um, received awesome teaching and spiritual formation through our church and had ex- like opportunities to go on mission trips or um, service projects and that sort of thing where I was stretched for sure. Like, here, go be the teacher. So then all of a sudden I'm preparing lessons and doing these things that I now look back on and I'm like, that for was... For children, like VBS yeah, type kids, stuff. Yeah. Kids, so yeah. let's, let's be clear. <laughs> 2005, our church youth group goes on a mission trip. Yes, the summer of love. And like, it was really... Uh, a formative trip for our youth group. But we go to South Carolina and Mary and I are paired to teach together. <laughs> wow. And that yes. is that is really the start of our relationship. Yes, that's why we call it Should I play that song from High School Musical, <laughs> The Start of Something New? Oh. Know, that, okay. that would be appropriate. Be. Yes, for sure. Okay. But um, yeah, so learning, growing, spirit, or like in my heart, growing, growing as a leader and... Um, yeah, and then just feeling, getting closer to the end of high school, feeling like, I think I want to go to Moody, too. So Again, what, what percentage of that decision was that I was at Moody, and what percentage <laughs> was God leading you? We're just going to go with 100% both ways, <laughs> because it was the only school I applied to, and thankfully I got in. And um, yeah, and then my years at Moody... My major was evangelism and discipleship, and I got to take classes in a whole bunch of different areas of like women's ministry or reading and writing children's literature or church planting or just all sorts of different things. And I I loved my time in the classroom, but also uh, just being 
it was I moved to Chicago the week I turned 18. So being a teenager, just like 13 hours away from home and learning And just for context, life. like Moody Bible Institute's right downtown Chicago. And it's a little school. Like it's not a It's huge, a little yeah. school in, in the a midst big of city. big city. Yeah. And so I think that's part of the big formative experience for us coming from Western Maryland Yeah, was living in a big city and doing ministry in a big city. Yeah, and so uh, Moody... You are required, but I'm glad it's a requirement to uh, commit to serving in a ministry somewhere in the city weekly. And so I spent some time in an inner city school and an after school program. And then the majority of my time I spent serving on the leadership team at the college ministry at the church we were at. And that was, again, another opportunity where I could learn some leadership skills that I had never used those muscles before. (laughs) And I'm really thankful. And I think both of us look back on that time on that leadership team as, you know, some of the lessons or ministry philosophies even that we learned then we see playing out in our lives now. Really shaped a lot of how we approach discipleship and people and teams and things like that. Yeah. Um. So then you graduate yeah. mm-hmm. from there. So that was a good experience yes. overall. You learned we were a lot dating about dating the whole dating. time. Yes. Okay. Yep. And then you get married. Yeah, I graduated. So yeah. you're a year ahead. Yeah, year I'm ahead. a year. Or I married. Mary took some college courses at the community college while she was in high school. So she was about a semester behind me. And so I graduate, and I. Right before I graduated, I proposed to Mary. So, okay. uh, in the Windy City or back in skinny, in the, the skinny part of Maryland, city. in the Windy. Okay, <laughs> I've never described it as the skinny part of Maryland. <laughs> I'm a geography guy, so okay. it's pretty fascinating oh, okay. for me. Yeah. Okay. State shapes are kind of cool. Yes. yes. So, so I proposed to Mary. Thankfully, she says yes. She has a semester to finish at Moody, and I had already decided to continue my theological education and I had a mentor uh, in college who uh, was one of my professors and really (coughs) mentored me not just academically but personally and he really encouraged me to go to seminary and to continue my because he knew at this point I had a heart to pastor and so he encouraged me, and one of the directions he pointed me was Gordon-Conwell Seminary in... Um, Beautiful South Hamilton, Massachusetts. Yes. The North Shore of Boston. Danny and I share that history, and so I, I graduate, and I go, and I, for the summer before I started at Gordon-Conwell, I moved to Boston, and I worked with an inner-city ministry called the Boston Project, and uh, was the program uh, director or something. I don't know what my title was, but helped lead the staff there for the, they kind of bring in youth groups and do service learning trips in the city. And uh, that was, looking back, that was a formative summer for me, even just it exposed me to Boston and the city I lived in kind of the heart of a, a rough area of Boston and um, helped shape. I, I feel like it helped ground me for w- heading into academia uh, so that I was 
had some spaces where I was connected to mm-hmm. real life ministry in the city. So okay. I started at seminary, Mary graduated a uh, semester later, and we got married that January uh, 2011. And uh, it was a snowy day in the skinny part of Maryland. There you go. <laughs> yep. January wedding in Maryland. Huh? Yeah. Okay. I remember waking up and seeing the snow and just thinking, that's okay. Whoever God wants to be at our wedding, they will be there. It mm. will be just fine. Mm. And it was just picturesque and perfect, like the snow outside. And um, But yeah, so then we moved. Well, I guess I moved. Yeah. Uh, up to Boston. Did you all live in that student housing thing? or? So we originally, I found a way. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh because our, our, we have a journey with housing. But we originally, I found a half of a house on Craigslist. And looking back, I it was a little bit sketchy that I just found this place on Craigslist. But they weren't and, sketchy. Uh, well, yeah, it was we a ve- very kind family. With two um, little kids. And we are newly married, and we didn't realize how much of a, like, house-sharing situation that that would be. And so, like, we move in, and the kids are running through our half of the house. and But it was quite a, a fun adventure for our first few months of marriage. And then we did one of those uh, situations where there was an older gentleman who lived in Marblehead, which is a like beautiful town on the water in Massachusetts. Marblehead? Marblehead. Marblehead. Yes. Yeah. Let's have some fish chata. <laughs> and uh, so he needed some help around his house. And so we moved out of the house we were living in and we moved in with him in exchange for housing. We took care of the property. Made we him made dinners. Yes. And uh, so you have skills beyond pole vaulting at this point. Yes. <laughs> and theology. I, we're growing. Okay. I'm taking care of property. Property. I'm okay. taking care of this older gentleman. Okay. Yes. Yes. All right. So you guys memorable. are in this seminary process, and your yeah. cystic fibrosis at this point is okay. I was okay for the first few months of marriage. I was okay, and and uh, in college, you generally weren't in the hospital. Or yeah, you back- I'd be in the hospital maybe twice a year or something. Okay. Okay. Um, Mary, but I Mary yeah. was pretty independent with her care, and so. At this point, when she went to college, she was doing like her own IV antibiotics in the dorm. Like my and, roommates oh, were wow. awesome. Um, okay. So when I say I was okay, I was, I was managing. Yeah, she was managing. And okay. the uh, <laughs> one day I was in class and I was coughing a lot, and the guy next mm-hmm. to me goes, "Wow, you sound like you're dying." And I was like. I am. <laughs> mm. I am okay with awkward moments. Uh, okay. But, you know, okay. it's it's fine. But once people around me know, like, oh, she's coughing, but she's fine, okay. then they can just ignore it, and we just move on with life. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So early in marriage, your health was fairly manageable. Mary was working part-time as a nanny. Yeah, I've always loved children, and so... When I graduated college, I knew I just want to work with kids. And mm-hmm. so I found a couple of families in New England that I could, that were flexible. So if my health wasn't great, it wasn't going to leave them high and dry. But um, yeah, All right. within, within about a year of marriage, I would say my health started going down more. It's progressive. So mm-hmm. the older you get, the worse it gets. It's okay. kind of how it goes. So yeah. you're doing seminary, and our paths actually intersected at this point. Yes. Somewhere along the way, yes. Erica and I were at a church in Boston. It was our last year there. I was serving as the missions director, and 
yes. doing just helping out. Yeah. And I met them on a Sunday morning. I guess they came to visit, and I was yeah. one of the not really on the welcome team, but I would just go walk up to meet people. Yeah. So that was kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah. That would have been like so good. like 2011, maybe somewhere. Yeah, around 2011 it. probably. Yeah. We, so we were May or maybe somewhere in spring of 2011 yes. ish. Yep, that's when we so. would have, and we visited that church, hearing, and it was a little, it was a little ways from where we were living, um, but we had heard it was a good church. Some friends went there, and our first day there, we hear about they're planning to plant a church on the North Shore, Much where we to where were you living. Yeah. Yeah. And so that kept us. We were like, okay, yeah. let's be part of this. It'll be a great experience while I'm in seminary. Yep. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't see them again until a couple months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of the crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that's – all right. So you're in seminary. It's going well. You're yeah. learning. You're – doing these yeah. different jobs yeah. and yeah. then yeah you fast forward you guys end up going to scotland for um yeah to continue your study your theological studies you got a scholarship and you yeah. got a kind of got an opportunity and then that's when your health when did your Plummeted health really plummet because <laughs> yeah. when i when i prayed for you guys that sunday in the prayer i mentioned your health and god's mm-hmm. healing yes. And like Erica was like, you know, nobody in the church knows oh, what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so the, there's a that's, story there. That's yeah. that's kind of that's a big part of your spiritual journey. Yeah, so you're, sure. yeah. Like, so I toward the end of seminary, Mary's health was starting to become more involved. She stopped working. I started to feel the weight of her health, uh, kind of on our family, on us as a couple, just. As we're trying to figure out what's next after seminary, mm-hmm. we're realizing Mary's health's pretty involved. Yeah, and meaning like maybe weekly doctor's appointments with not great news, like, oh, your test results are getting worse, your lungs are getting worse. It's harder for you to walk from the, the door to the car. It's harder yeah. for you to wake up in the mornings for your lungs and more therapy and more medications and more trips to the hospital, basically. Okay. Yeah, and like. so we're as we are figuring out, I'm finishing seminary, I'm really struggling with what does ministry look like after seminary because I want to take care of my wife well, and there's a lot of demand there. Mm-hmm. And Mary and I are like just at this point completely committed to let's figure this out. Let's take it as a team. And I had a mentor during seminary who said, Peter, whatever you do next, figure out some way to be able to spend a lot of time with Mary, uh, like whatever you do. And he said, why don't you apply for this scholarship? Uh, There was a... It was a scholarship where it, the stipulation was for it was you had to go overseas to continue your study of preaching. And so he said, this would be a great opportunity. You can continue studying. You'll have some flexibility to just kind of be and help take care of Mary. Um, but at that point, with Mary's health, we just thought going overseas was not something we could do. But we talked to Mary's medical team in Boston, and they said, I think you guys, I think it's a great opportunity. There's a cystic fibrosis center in Edinburgh, Scotland. Why don't you guys apply there, and we'll help you get set up. So we go. So that's what we did. And On the grand adventure. It was um, a crazy season. Yeah, we planned to be there for about a year for his Master of Theology degree. 
And we were there a whole four months. Before we, within two weeks of being in Scotland, Mary was in, in the hospital and we're figuring out the Scottish hospital system, universal health care, and how does that work and all the details. And meanwhile, I'm like trying to start my, uh, I did a master of theology in technically ethics and practical theology, but I was writing a dissertation on uh, the role of imagination in preaching. And so I'm like in the library every day, going back and forth to the hospital, taking care of Mary. And it was one of those moments. I, Mary and I have had several of these moments. And our story, our story has a lot of, um, <coughs> I feel like, detours where we are asking the question, God, I thought this was the plan, but life looks like this right now. Mm-hmm. And like we felt pretty confident we were supposed to go to Scotland. And now it's January. We're Skyping with her team in Boston and the medical team, the mm-hmm. medical oh, wow. team. And they say, I think you should fly back here and be admitted in the hospital. And so, and I had just been in the hospital in Scotland in yeah. and out, in and out, like for yeah. a week at a time or this or that. And so it's not that I hadn't received care. It's just, I mean, they have different medications and different policies and all of this. So it was just time. Um, and I her, her team in Boston knew her body and kind of what she needed. Yeah. And so we booked tickets, fly home two days later and leave everything in Scotland in our like little uh, flat there. And we just assumed we'd come back. And we, Mary gets admitted in the hospital in Boston and is there for about a month and a half. Oh, wow. And that was kind of the start of a hard season of health. Yeah. Yeah. And the next few years that followed, it was just a pretty steady decline. And I, I got some reprieve after that initial hit, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. It but <clears throat> rebounded from the kind of state she was in when we left Scotland. But I ended up going back to Scotland for a month and kind of defending my dissertation and uh, did all the in-person stuff that I had to do. And then I came back to the States and finished writing. And during that season, we moved into our friend's basement in mm-hmm. Massachusetts. And mm-hmm. we thought it would just be a couple of weeks. Yes, and because obviously the Lord would have given him a job within two weeks or so, because that's how God's plan always works, right? Well, 14 months later, we were still living in the basement. And it was those basement days where a lot of <clears throat> patience was learned and seeing the Lord working in other ways than we anticipated, mm-hmm. seeing that our timeline is often not his timeline. Mm-hmm. And, and a that huge okay. piece of that was us trying to figure out what does ministry look like for us as a couple with the progression of Mary's cystic fibrosis. And mm-hmm. the people we were living with uh, Kim was a counselor, and they're about our parents' age, and they just encouraged us, just wait for the right door to open before you go anywhere. Okay. And so a, a huge piece that we kind of skipped over in this is that when we went to Scotland, 
we started recording videos and putting them on YouTube. Oh, just yeah. for fun. I mean, originally yes. it was like for yeah. friends, family. For family. Yeah. We had raised some support <laughs> yeah. for the time in Scotland. And so we said, we'll make you videos. We'll show you like the castle and things like yeah. that. And, and that's okay. how it started. And uh, little did we know that our friends and family, yeah, they watched them. But also then hundreds of people, which turned into thousands of people, which turned into a quarter of a million people. And people are just curious. And I think mostly it became evident. They were mostly curious about what does... What does life with cystic fibrosis look like on a day-to-day mm. basis? Maybe you read about it in your biology textbook in, mm. you know, 11th grade or something. But what is it like to live everyday life as a caregiver from Peter's perspective or in a, an international hospital or whatever it might be? And so our videos kind of took a more of a CF awareness kind mm. of angle and so we would publish a new video every day, and it would be five to 10 to 15 minutes just showing bits and pieces of our day. And we basically, our story starts accidentally going viral to a degree. That year, in the months that followed after we came back from Scotland, the we had a random video basically go viral and people just started finding our story and Mm -hmm. following it. And I think part of what people are drawn to, for whatever reason in your life, things aren't perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think some people on YouTube portray like a perfect life or a everything's going well kind of mentality, but like we were, filtered kind of yeah like it's right all filtered through yeah you know. and we were showing the real stuff of life and the tears and and the laughter mm-hmm. and a little bit of everything and i think people were drawn to that reality of like hey they get it like life isn't going yeah. exactly like i thought it would so this started as you guys started to pick up while you're living in the basement you're yeah. trying to find a ministry job mm-hmm. but also trying to figure out you're figuring out how to take hospital care of stuff take, mm-hmm. okay wow and in that season, we started to view it as less as like, here's random videos we're putting on the internet and more as, wow, there's people from all over the world watching our story. And our minds kept going to that verse in First Thessalonians where, where Paul says, it was, I delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, kind of describing his ministry. And we're like, here's a way that we're just sharing our lives with people and I think that points people to the truth of the gospel, that there's more to this life than the brokenness and hurt and sorrow that we experience. And, and that there can be hope in the midst of the brokenness and the yes, sorrow. Yes. And so we started to view the, our videos as like, how do we show people what a life filled with hope and joy looks like? It wasn't like, telling the gospel or like mm-hmm. preaching or anything it was just let's let's put our lives on display and i think that's a powerful witness and so we're starting to view our youtube as a ministry and i'm looking for a job and there's a church um south of boston that was in need of a preacher and they had, were kind of in between pastors and I wasn't really interested in a job there, but I started preaching for them 
uh, just kind of pulpit supply. And um, the first couple of weeks there, it was a small, older um, congregation, kind of founded okay. in 1895. Like a dying congregation. Yeah. They had a building, yeah. but yeah. the congregation got older and wasn't replenished. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. with new, and thankfully, new there were a few Ooh. younger families in okay. the church, and there was a realization, like, we got to figure out what's next. Like, do we close the doors here? Mm. And by the grace of God, Mary and I were in a spot when we started visiting there that YouTube was starting to pay enough. We got an email from YouTube. Hey, you can join our partner program. And we're start getting, starting to get a paycheck from YouTube. And we go there and we fall in love with these people, mm. not looking for a job. And it was really, I remember one day after church, after I had preached, we go and uh, I think we went out to, Mary and I went out to lunch afterward and Mary goes, I, I love these people. And I realized, oh, wow, like we could, we could financially do this because of YouTube and you're like a tent maker. Yeah. Yes. So modern tent making yes. is YouTube videos. Yeah, there you go. I wouldn't prescribe it for anybody, but the Lord put it in our lap. And so we told the church, hey, I, I, they, had a, they had a parsonage uh, that we could live in. And so that was basically our payment. And I came and it was, um, we were there for four years and it was a very sweet season of pastoring and basically doing church revitalization, raising up leaders, training elders, and um, that was a lot of that season, and obviously preaching every week and doing a lot of the life of the church. But in the midst of it, also figuring out how to do the YouTube thing and take care of Mary. And you're making a video every day, almost every, every day? Every Up to the, day. It, at this point, we were doing every day. And we continued doing it through that season. At, at some point, the church, some of the leaders in the church kind of sat me down. They're like, Peter, you need to uh, slow down a little bit. And so we started doing six days a well, week. Well, they were just encouraging, yeah. like, you guys need to take a day off. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. And we were like, but how? You know, once you get in a rhythm of something, it feels harder to change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it had been this <laughs> hobby, but now it's turning into a, basically mm-hmm. almost a full-time job. Because at Moody, you took videography classes and and all the communication (laughs) classes. I had no background in making videos. Uh, But I heard Moody's really famous for their film school. (laughs) (laughs) It's like USC and not. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I think uh, the closest I took to that was like computer literacy or something. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So, so and your health is abysmal. Okay. It wow. was it was rough. And so like the yeah. videos were a lot about Yeah. Like how how you're trusting God, making it through each day. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. And um yeah. I mean, it was a hard season because our hearts were at the church. Like yeah. I remember one Easter we picked a bunch of forsythia branches so we could just decorate the whole church with these beautiful yellow flowers and we were there the night before easter decorating the church we were having so much fun my body was struggling so hard like i was so out of breath Mm -hmm. trying to decorate like that's what i wanted to do so it felt like that whole season was a lot of 
heart battle versus body battle. Like this is where our hearts are. This is what we want to do. And constantly my body requiring more and more assistance to just keep going and Mm. more and more medications, more trips into Boston for the hospital. And basically I, Oh, I, I think the baby's waking up. Yeah, do you want to take over? Yeah, I'll the take story? I'll take over the story from here. While All right, I'm so you end up coming to Durham at this point. So that's yeah. So okay. the story there is May 2019. Mary's doctors in Boston said we think you guys need to start thinking about what's next for Mary's healthcare and kind of the last resort option for cystic fibrosis treatment is a lung transplant. And Mary's body, as she mentioned before, has some complications with her liver. Long story short, there's only a few hospitals um, in in the U.S. that will do liver and lung transplant at the same time, and Duke is one of those hospitals. And so they said, they gave us a list of three hospitals. Uh, I think it was Cleveland, Pittsburgh. Elijah's joining us for the podcast. Hey, hey buddy. buddy. <laughs> And we we looked at that list of three hospitals, and we said, "All right, Duke's the furthest further south. Let's go. Let's go there." And so May 2019. So no more less snow shoveling and all exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. Okay. We had had our fill after nine Chicago years. Chicago and Boston, and yes. And May 2019, we came for a liver and lung transplant evaluation for Mary at Duke, and it was an intense week and. The first day of that <coughs> evaluation, one of the transplant doctors sat us down and he said, <coughs> if you can swing it, I'd move now. And basically he was saying, you don't need a transplant right now, but if you, if you guys can pull it off life-wise, I think it would be smart for you to be here for when the time comes. And so that was like, okay, our lives are changing big time. <coughs> right now and so they thought without the transplant I would die. you would make you would die yeah. yeah that's kind of where that you're at at this point yeah wow. and wow. and mary wasn't you know it wasn't like this is urgent we're gonna list you right now it was at the trajectory you're going mm-hmm. like specifically t- because i also needed a liver as well that is an added unknown about mm-hmm. timing yeah and so we we made We're the decision. We're smiling at the little guy right now. Yeah. He's, he's eating. His... Eating some snacks yeah. and hanging on mom. <coughs> and so we come back to Massachusetts <coughs> and we tell the church, hey, we'll give you six months. <coughs> We'd like to help make this a... You know, we weren't ready at that point. We weren't thinking we were going to move at that point. And so we took basically a six-month transition and... I flew down here. Mary's too sick to fly. And so I flew down and looked at houses and <coughs> bought a house. And we moved a couple of months later. Uh, but in the meantime, as Mary <coughs> mentioned, there was... Mary's okay. That's kind of like if you, if you hear her coughing here at Waypoint, um, she's going to be okay. And we... Let's see, where, where are we? We here, started Trikafta. Yeah. So at the time, this drug wasn't yet FDA approved, but they had finished the initial trials of the drug for cystic fibrosis. And 
um, Mary was able to get on compassionate usage, which is a basically before it gets FDA approved, if you're sick enough. Sorry, the little guy is having fun with his snack. He's really, yeah. Yep. He's basically, really... there's a giant mess that we're going to okay. clean up after this. <laughs> <laughs> Mary was able to start tri. It's now known as it's now FDA approved and it's known as Tricafta, but it. She started it, and within days, days, we started to realize our lives are changing rapidly. And at first, it was just like, I just walked up the stairs, and I'm not coughing my brains out. That's weird. And then maybe two weeks in, we were like, wow, I am legitimately doing better. And then at a month, my lung function test had already come up like 10%. And... I'm almost four years in, and I have been stable. I have not been hospitalized the entire four years, which is wow. a miracle. Pretty and um, I still do daily therapy and medications and IV infusions, but my body, and those things are just like maintenance to keep my body going. <clears throat> but I am, I'm just doing so well. Praise God. Mm-hmm. And so we celebrate that, and we are grateful. Yeah. Wow. So at this point of the story, you guys start thinking about adoption and mm-hmm. that'll be another story for another day because yeah. yeah. we're really excited about that. It was, mm-hmm. you guys have started praying about foster care adoption and God, yeah. God opened that door. Uh, so you have to invite them out to lunch yes, or something and you can hear yes. the rest of the story with this beautiful little guy, um, Elijah, Elijah, sixteen months 16 old. Sixteen months old. Okay, yeah. so he's sixteen months old, and you'll see him on Sunday mornings, just enjoying life and enjoying yeah. his parents. And we we praise God for him, and we praise God for your story. So, yeah. uh, in an untraditional way, normally we ask the icebreaker at the beginning, but okay. I forgot. So okay. I gotta ask oh. you something okay. like that's just to kind of for us to get to know you a little bit. So I, now I know about your high school sport, yeah. pole vaulting. Yeah. That's a cool <laughs> fact. But um, Lawrence would probably ask, what's your favorite food? Because okay. he's, he's the foodie of the group. Okay. But I'm the geography guy, so okay. I might ask you more. All right. <laughs> what's, what's your favorite place you've been? Uh-huh. And then maybe what's a place you'd want to go or a place that you think huh. about? Wow, that would be really cool if yeah. I could go there or live there for a short period of time or something. Yeah. So a geography question. Do you have okay. one? Do you have a uh, I'll, I'll, my mind immediately goes to, I'm really grateful for being able to go to Scotland. And part of my research was studying uh, George MacDonald, who's a Scottish storyteller, and he was a pastor. And mm-hmm. I got to visit his hometown in the Highlands. Okay. And I only did, uh, because Mar- Mary was in the States and mm. in, you know, I wanted to get home. I only did a day trip up there to the Highlands. And so I would love to go and spend a significant like week long trip through the Highlands of Scotland. Did you understand the thick accents? Oh, it, it's a it was, language barrier. For it, was, sure. it was hard. And the more north you go, the harder it is. To yeah. understand. I've watched the BBC where they had subtitles yeah. and the guys were, they were speaking English. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. we've talked about wanting to take Elijah to Scotland, and I would just, if we were able to take him there, I would be like, oh, look, this is the pizza place we used to eat at, and like, we used to walk down this alleyway, and so, yeah, I'd love to go back. If you can't tell, Mary's very sentimental. Oh, yes. All right, so Scotland, is there any other place that you've always dreamed of? I don't know. 
know. I think Boston is very near and dear to our hearts. Mm-hmm. Largely, that was the first years of our marriage were in yeah. the streets of Boston. And, yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, thanks again for sharing. And little, final thing, just yeah. how, how you found Waypoint and yeah. what you're excited about. Yeah. Uh, so the last four years, you guys have been yeah. part of another Summit Collaborative uh, church plant yeah. in the city. But yeah, how you found Waypoint and what you're excited about. Yeah, we've for the been, future. Yeah, as Mary's health stabilized, and we're now in Durham, saying, "God, what did you bring us here for?" We uh, joined up with a Summit Collaborative church plant that was just launching about the time that we moved here, and so we've been serving on the leadership team there for the last three years. And over the last year, as time has gone on with Mary's health being stable, we started to sense, okay, we now have the capacity to do ministry and pastoral ministry in ways that we really, in all of our marriage, we've never been able to have this much capacity. And so we started praying, God, what might be next? And uh, I had met Lawrence at some of the Summit Collaborative retreats and things. And so I knew about who he was. So you were just serving as a lay volunteer doing Correct. a lot of pastoral right. ministry, and you were just helping out. Mm-hmm. As your health is getting better, you yes. have more opportunities yes. to help out. And you guys adopted a, yeah. a little guy along mm-hmm. the way. Okay. Yeah. So. And so as we're praying, God, uh, we're sensing the Lord calling, a, calling me specifically back into full-time ministry. Uh, we were really praying, Lord, would you keep us in Durham? Because we love it here. We love the triangle. And uh, so I'm just thinking of pastors that I know in town. And I reached out to Lawrence and said, hey, um, here's where I'm at. And would there be any places I could serve at Waypoint? And, um, and so... Led to a lot of conversation and praying, and and really the Lord kind of causing Mary and I to look back on our ministry experiences of revitalization in Massachusetts, and then being part of a church plant in Massachusetts while I was in seminary, and then being a part of a church plant the last three years, whether church planting or revitalization might be part of our story going forward. And so we're really excited Mm -hmm. to be at Waypoint and yeah. to yeah. Uh, really pray toward that end. Yeah. And for those of you guys at home, so when Lawrence and I met, Lawrence and Peter had met, and then Lawrence and I met with Peter, and within 10 minutes of the conversation, he's telling us about him and Mary and how much they love the church in Boston and how they love the people and just their experience and the, the hardships that they face and how God has used that to Mm-hmm. Just grow them, but also humble them and help them see that his kingdom and his local church looks different, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. it's about loving people where they're at. Yeah. We were like, wow, this guy they this guy could be a church revitalizer, mm-hmm. and that's something we've been praying about for a long time as Waypoint because there's a lot of churches in the area that that need that, and so it's not just church planning, but it's also church revitalization. So we we kind of Lawrence and I kind of approached them and said, hey, what do you think? And mm-hmm. well, yeah, they were a little at first. They're like, "Wow, this we wasn't had, what we were thinking yeah, yeah. about." Imagining, yeah. And but the Lord really—that's yeah. where I feel like the Lord is in it because He stirred, kind of Mary and I independently, yeah, uh, stirred our hearts for it. And yeah, so. so we are so excited to have you. We'll we are definitely so excited yeah. to be here. Thank you. Yes, yeah, Peter will be serving as an associate pastor uh, for the the near 
foreseeable future year or so and then he's going to move toward the church planning residency like a full he's doing a residency now but hopefully in a in some time when god opens the door in the future yeah. or he'll be ready to go and yeah. we're, there's a lot of pockets of the triangle that need that yeah. need church revitalization and, and we're just asking god to point us in that direction and some of you listening might be yeah, joining them i was gonna say the lord might be stirring in yeah. your heart right now toward yeah. church planning and revitalization so if, if you drive by a brick building every day and you're just like i wonder what's going on there pray pray that Ooh. maybe that's the yes, one that yes. that church could be the place that we could be a part of revitalizing and and seeing god's kingdom expand here in the in the triangle as as god stirs upon our hearts to love him and love his people amen well thanks guys uh again if you want to hear the rest of the story you gotta you gotta invite them to dinner or out to lunch or something but we love you guys we're so glad you're here and we look forward to ministering with you and you guys serving alongside of us and seeing what god does amen thank you so much glad to be here all right thanks y'all have a great week and yeah until the next waypoint podcast uh we'll see you then bye